Oh, I tried ripping this cutely. What's good, guys? Welcome to Startups of the Week, Season 2, Episode 23. I'm Natasha Mascarenas, and I'm here with Owen Thomas. Present. And Alex Wilhelm. Hey, guys. This week, we'll tell you about a home insurance company that launched an Alexa skill to get some attention, a company trying to make the rollout of self-driving cars more seamless, and an acquisition deal that strengthens data and security. All this coming up on Startups of the Week. This is Jason Fagoni, reporter at The Chronicle, inviting you to listen to Toxic. Along with my colleague here, Cynthia Dizikis, we are investigating one of the biggest stories in San Francisco right now, the troubled cleanup of the former Hunter's Point Naval Shipyard, a super fun waste site, and the cleanup of other Navy sites around the Bay Area. We are getting into environmental racism here. We are getting into fraud, scandal, basically trying to get to the bottom of this story that is about San Francisco's past is also shaping its future. Toxic, wherever you get your podcasts. The first startup we're going to be talking about this week is a Mountain View company called Hippo Insurance. It's pretty late stage. Its total funding is about $39 million so far. And it's trending over something interesting, the launch of a new Alexa skill that the founder himself says he uses. Um, the home insurance company is basically giving customers a chance to plug in their Alexa, ask them for an away mode, and it'll play a series of tracks that'll make it seem like someone's talking in your home. So now (laughs) to to get Alexa, you plug in like an Amazon Echo or uh, other Alexa. Amazon Dot. Amazon Echo Dot. That's that's what we have at home. Um, And then you have to fiddle around with your phone and like upload a skill. Like you you quote unquote teach Alexa a skill, mm-hmm. but this it's almost like downloading an app for your for your Echo, right? Right. So um, in this case, if you download the Hippo Insurance, the new skill that they're offering, you can um, play about a one hour to one and a half hour track with um, background music and or not background music, background conversation. So one example is you can leave for an errand and plug your Alexa, um, plug the task in, and two drunk guys trying to like create a website will play. So that sounds burglar, horrible to listen to. <laughs> also, if a burglar comes. you can listen to that live in any bar in San Francisco <laughs> on any night of the week. But the goal here, though, is to create background noise so it appears your house is occupied when you're actually AFK IRL, as they say. Wow. Um, <laughs> and therefore, people that come by and try to snoop and see if you're home to rob you will hear two drunk guys talking about a website and yeah. go, oh, it's the next Pinterest and leave. Yes, okay. exactly. That's okay. the hope. And I kind of asked, I was like, oh, was this meant to be more as a joke or was it meant to be serious? And Asaf Wand, who's the founder of Hippo Insurance, was saying that their overall goal was to get people start thinking about home security and insurance more. And it was a really good way to advertise that. Um, so that's kind of why they did it. And he uses it when they go and do errands as well. Um, the, just the track's just only an for hour. security. For just sake. for security, just to make it seem like um, someone's in the house. But what if it's not a burglar, but it's a venture capitalist stopping by? <laughs> and Loopholes! They, they, and they want to fund the startup, and they start like ringing your doorbell incessantly, like bringing you gift baskets of, mm. of baked goods. Uh, there's a flaw in this, though. Yeah, that's... So, which is a venture capitalist going out and doing something. 
going to you, doing the work, putting in the emotional labor, a venture capitalist doing that. Oh, and please. True, true. I don't know what I was thinking. I think the writers <laughs> that worked on these skits, they were from SNL and It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and I'm sure. Wow. Yeah. So, so, so Natasha, when you first mentioned to me that you were going to write about an insurance company, Snore. Snore, Snore. Creating an Alexa scale, I was like, oh, great. So... You, were, you really expect people to be like, Alexa, get me an insurance quote. But when I learned what they were actually doing, I was like, that's kind of brilliant. It's it's on topic. It's a good use of the device. And it's a good brand association. So snaps, snaps to Hippo. Yeah. Also, just on that kind of same note, there was a report that came out in the last week or so that showed that you know most people that have an Alexa or an Alexa-enabled device, I should say, don't use it for shopping. And people thought that this being an Amazon product, it was going to be a big hit in the world of you know kind of voice-driven or voice-powered e-commerce. Turns out right now, no. I'm not that shocked by it. But here's an actual use for an Echo, an Echo Dot that has Alexa. I mean, this is the first time I've been kind of like, aside from using it as a kitchen timer, I can see an actual use case for it. So finally, at last, it's useful. I, I actually think a little bit before I spend money. You know, I, I don't just go like, Alexa, order me, you know, order me a dozen new, you know, a dozen new towels. Like, it just, like, that's just not, I, like, I go and I check and make sure, you know, do I really need them? I've actually you bought know. towels with you, Owen. So actually, yeah, at Macy's. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It, it is. It is a you know, it's a thought-driven process. I mean, we use our Alexa for like as a kitchen timer. Um, we use it as a watch because basically, my husband and I can't be bothered. We're running around the house to find some kind of clock. Who has clocks anymore? Who has your clocks? phone is in your pocket. <laughs> I know, but our, you know, like if our hands, if we're cooking and our hands are busy, we need to know what time it is. As to your kitchen does not have a clock, I can confirm this. Yes. Okay, this is valid. Well, anyways, it's cool. And uh, for the first time ever, insurance is slightly less lame than it usually yeah, is. Just so I, one, one point that I also want to bring up about this place, that they're trying to make insurance more modern. I think the, the way that Asaf was bringing I'm talking about it on our phone call was you know the old the old method of signing up for insurance was you bought a home and you you know you got insurance through an agent and that was that and you never really update it they kind of want to be more modern about it kind of check in with you more if you sign on with them Um, they'll be faster They, they said that it takes about 60 seconds to sign up for this insurance plan and they're cheaper because they skip agent fees so Part of their overall branding was to appeal to the modern customer, and an Alexa skill is a good way to get at least people recognizing the name and looking more into the company. It worked for us. I mean, exactly. I was about to say, here we are talking about their Alexa skill. We've been snookered. (laughs) I am skeptical that, you know, that bypassing agents um, is a good idea because people just don't think about insurance that often. Unless they're going through a transaction like buying a house. You know, it's it's an infrequent purchase. Um, so, you know, they're going to have to spend a lot of money or do a lot of very clever things like this Alexa skill just to get people to think about them. And most of the times people won't have to think about them. That is what I see as a problem. And, you know, it turns out that like getting, you know, getting in front of agents, giving them an incentive to sell your products is a pretty good business model for this kind of infrequent purchase. Um, so that's my question, but still snaps for figuring out something to do with Alexa. For sure. Our next company is a company that people are uh, that is working on things that people are thinking about. Um, it's called Rido S. It's a San Francisco company, and it's kind of stepping in to help better manage self-driving vehicles, the future of self-driving vehicles. The um, I was speaking to someone on the phone, and they kind of described it as building an air traffic control system, but for self-driving cars. So it can help 
send data to those cars and if there's a construction zone that they should avoid, if there's a pothole, if there's a pedestrian area that a self-driving car really shouldn't be in. Um, they were kind of described, the company was kind of describing it as like a way to manage the fleets that are rolling out in the future. And they're trending this week because they um, reached two back-to-back -back rounds, a series A and B. Um, and the most recent series was about 25 million. Wow, that's a lot of money. I worry that they are way too early, uh, you know, to have these kinds of high-class problems of like, oh, how do we manage all of these fleets of self-driving vehicles? Um, first of all, I'm not sure that they, you know, a, a well-designed self-driving vehicle, I'm not sure you need to manage on a fleet basis. Like, shouldn't the self-driving vehicle self-manage? So yeah. philosophical question there. Um, Can robots cry? News at 11. <laughs> <laughs> on the uh, philosophical point. But they just raised uh, something that caught my eye was their Series A was led by Sequoia. That was a $9 million round back in June. And according to our notes, it was in keeping with their self-driving thesis and was, I believe, their first investment in the space. Yes. So I think Owen's completely correct. I'm surprised they had this much capital this early. Contrary to what he and I think, though, Sequoia is not full of idiots. It's full of pretty smart people. So if they're making that investment directionally, that makes me kind of want to give them the benefit of the doubt in a way. Yeah. I mean, we fall into this trap in Silicon Valley where it's like, oh, Andreessen Horowitz invested in this company. Sequoia invested in this company. Therefore, it's a preordained success. Uh, to that, I have one word to, to say to you, Which Alex is? and Natasha. Please tell me. Color. Oh, I... Color was a photo sharing app that Sequoia <laughs> put like, what was it, like $40 million Some into? Some insane amount of money. And, um, you know, basically product site unseen uh, based on the track record of the founder, uh, who turned out to be kind of, you know, kind of an erratic character. Um, That's polite. <laughs> yeah, as, as later lawsuits revealed. Um, and it all ended in, all ended in tears. So, you know, I, I don't. I don't think we should just subscribe to the idea that oh, this top you know top name venture capitalist invested in something, therefore it will be successful. I certainly I, I don't want to say that. My only thought was if someone that I know has made a lot of intelligent investments in the past does something, I will give it a slightly less. Oh sure, give, give them the benefit. Like of the if doubt. it was if it was Billy Bob's Capital Factory that put the Series A in, I don't care. It may even be a negative indicator, but Sequoia at a minimum isn't full of yahoos. So yeah, that's, right. that's my uh, the, and the other the other problem I'd point out, and sorry to just dump on this company, but you know it's like Uber is going to have its own in-house software to manage its, its fleets. Waymo is going to have its own in-house software. Lyft is going to have its own in-house software. Like the folks who are serious about this are going to build the whole stack. So the you know how RideOS is going to find customers who are successful enough to need the software and can, you know, and then actually, you know, actually bring self-driving cars to market and find consumers and, you know, like basically have fleets that they need to manage. That is a dicey bet. I did ask him, I did say like, like in what world would the competition really want to be working together on this platform and really be sharing data with each other? And he kind of, he, he said that, Similar to like Waze, where it was created for human-driven vehicles, and we all have faith in the person behind the wheel for knowing um, where they're going to go. He thinks that for the greater good, people will want people like he didn't name names. We said the bigger companies will want to join, just so they can, you know, have more access to stuff that'll keep their people safe. And if they have the backing of um, impressive people or impressive. Um, firms, then maybe it'll affirm them more to 
affirm other comp- com- other companies to trust them. Well, n- nine out of ten startups fail. So well, they have Ford. <laughs> they're working with Ford, right? Right, they're working with Ford. Um, they haven't announced any informal partnerships yet. Any other formal partnerships yet? But they are working with Ford, and they're like. This new series is going to be helping them, they said, try and make more partnerships and build them out more. And that's why I, I, I have some optimism, because if they can get one or two major players, and let's just say, for example, they come up with an idea that kind of lets everyone feed data in and receive data back out, and they become a central hub for all these individual companies that own outlined, that's a really cool proposition. I I think that doesn't happen. I think the outcome here is that they get bought for their intellectual property and their engineering team by a Ford or other company that's playing catch-up. Yeah, and Sequoia will take the easy 5X. I mean, yeah. that works out. But if they are right, cool company, and that could become a large company down the road. It's a big bet. Now, it's probably not going to work bet. out. We all agree. Startups, yay. But in this <laughs> case, the market is so big, if they get early to it, but not too early to die, they could do quite well. At the same time, I know very little about uh, autonomous car mapping, so that's where my expertise kind of ends. Well, if they're a massive success, folks, you heard about it here first. From me, not from him. Not from him, <laughs> who doesn't think it will be a massive success. Owen's not a fan. <laughs> um, our last startup we're going to be talking about this week is kind of a little bit more technical, but still important, considering how much we all care about privacy and data protection. Um, Mimecast, which is a London company, acquired Solbit. And Solbit is based in San Francisco, has some offices in Israel. And basically, Mimecast protects email and data from... Um, by scanning URLs or creating services that make sure the security of your messages um, are on lock. Solbit is a smaller um, software company, and it helps speed up that whole process. Um, usually when you're trying to look for threats, it takes a couple, five to 15 minutes, and Solbit takes a few seconds. Well, which is critical because your whole system could be taken down by a... Um Unknown you know, crypto locker dun, virus. Dun, dun. Yeah, um, I you know I th- I think this this kind of deal we we see it a lot. Um, you've got a company they do kind of one thing well. They need to improve their core product or expand into adjacent markets, um, and so they snap up a a smaller company. And um, you know often if uh, I don't know is Mimecast public or private? Did, I do did not you? know this. Um, Often if they're private, you know, they kind of just join forces um, and the the bet continues um, that they can get big enough. Often companies need to acquire their way to be kind of big enough to be, you know, a serious player. Right. And also some companies need a better sales channel to sell into because they're struggling individually. So they can kind of glom on to a larger firm, sell into their existing customer base, and voila, growth. Um, in this case, though, it's security consolidation of any sort is interesting, given we've seen a lot of security IPOs this year with Carbon Black. And so the space seems to be pretty active. And I'm curious if that'll drive another uh, wave of early stage security-ish VC activity, um, given the kind of successes we've seen over the last, I want to say, 12 months. Cool yeah, that, yeah, that's the thing is, you know, these, these kind of small acquisition deals uh, essentially pump money back into the VC uh, economy and it kind of gets recycled into the next startup. Um, so even if it's not a massive success, it can uh, it can um, set the stage for more wins down the road. We might even cover them on this show in the future. <laughs> awesome, guys. That's all we have for this week. We'll see you back next week. Thank you for listening to Startups of the Week. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a rating and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. By the way, we're on Stitcher now, as well as Apple Podcasts. 
Read more startups coverage at sfchronicle.com. And crunchbase.news. I'm Natasha Mascarenas. I'm Owen Thomas. And I'm Alex Wilhelm. And this is Startups of the Week. It's really great that I'm not the hater in the room all the time anymore in my life.